Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. We're going to end this sermon series, Friendzone. Friendzone. So last week, you know, I talked to you through the topic of uh, deciding biblically who you should be friends with. And here's why. Show me your five closest friends. I'm going to show you your future. Can't get to the right spot with the wrong people. And so I wanted to give you some biblical things to look for in your relationship. So let me just pretend all of you are going to do this. You're going to join home groups. You're going to begin to form biblical relationships, godly relationships. Uh, The next thing you need to do is you need to give room to, to, to become and develop godly, uh, godly accountability with, with each other. And this part is, is hard. So I called this sermon series, I, or this sermon, I Consent. And I know that's kind of a weird word. And, you know, usually when you hear the word consent, we're talking about a consensual relationship between a man and a woman. And there's this whole lot of argument back and forth and issues with, like, with that. And, in fact, uh, uh, this week, one of the biggest stories I've read on my, on my, on my feed has been uh, the coach of the, the Celtics having to step down because because he had a consensual relationship with one of his, the staff members of the Celtics, but then was it, I don't know if it was consensual, and people are speaking out about it. That word consensual is a big deal, and so, but, it, but it, it encompasses a lot more than just sex. Like, we, we give our consent to a lot of things. If you uh, get married, you stand in front of, of your family and friends, and you consent to love that person, to cherish that person, to serve that person, to be committed to that person. If you buy a car, right, and you, you, sign, you sign the contract, you are consenting to paying, you know, seven years at $1,600 at 17% interest, right? Uh, you're consenting to that. Like, you're going to pay this off every month. They're gonna, they're gonna, you're going to give this. And if you don't pay it, you're consenting to them coming taking it. Are you with me? Anybody remember college? Uh, if you were in college, you're going to take, some of you just started classes. At the beginning of college, they're going to give you a syllabus. You guys remember this? And they're going to show you, here's the requirements for the class. Here's what you're going to need to do. Here's the papers you're going to need to turn in. You're consenting to that, right? Like those of us who actually read the syllabus, right? Some of us didn't. And so uh, you're consenting to that. Like there is, this word consent just simply means to give somebody permission. I'm going to give, so I'm just going to pretend you're in a relationship with somebody, you're developing this godly standard, this godly friendship, there's things that you should give consent to, to the other person that will build healthy relationships, and here's why. We have a lot of people we hang out with, we have very little people that hold us accountable. A lot of people that we'll hang out with, we have very little friendships that will hold us accountable. We have people that compliment us, not enough people that will challenge us when we need to be challenged. Anybody tracking with me? We have people that we enjoy whining to. Like, it's just part of friendship. I'm just going to whine to you. But we lack friends who have the backbone to give us real wisdom. We have people that will come behind us and, come behind us and pat us on the back. We have very few people in our lives that are going to push us push us forward, but this is what godly, Jesus-centered friendships look like. In fact, uh, I love high school football. Anybody else a high school football fan here? If you, are, if you are a Christian and you live in a town and you want to be part of affecting your town and influencing your town and being a light in your town, you should be at Friday Night Football. Anybody tracking with me? You should be a part of that. Like, I think that's something 
they should bring back in a heavy way. I remember being in Boyertown when I was a kid, and I don't know if there was because there was nothing else to do, but the entire town came out to Boyertown Bears football games. And I remember I was a kid, and I didn't have, you know, anybody playing, and my parents, you know, we were kids, but I remember every halftime, the cheerleaders would take these little rubber Boyertown Bears footballs. Anybody else remember this? And they would chuck them up in the stands, and if you got one, it changed your life. It changed your life. I would, I would have a pen with me and I would find a Bears football player. I think this is so funny. They were high school kids. And I would have them sign it. And if you had an autographed plastic Boyertown Bears halftime football, you were the man the next week in recess, right? Like you owned the game. We're going to play a football game with my ball, right? And so I just love high school football. Like, I love being a part of it. I love the band. I, I, I love every aspect of it. One of the things that, I, that my heart always goes out to is the cheerleaders, right? The cheerleaders. And I think, you know, I've, I've said before, the cheerleader's not a sport, but it is. Like, I'm, I got know a few girls that are on the cheerleading team in Phoenixville. I don't want to offend them, right? And so, so we're going to call it a sport today. And so... It, it, <laughs> It's a sport. It's hard work, right? You never stop. And I've been to a few games, and I feel bad for them because they're literally, you're losing, and it's bad, and everybody's embarrassed, and you want to go home, and they're just kicking it on the sideline, right? Are you proud to be a phantom? No, we're not, right? Like, and you're just cheerly. It just is, like, how many give it up for the cheerleaders? Give it up for the cheerleaders. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I went to the Eagles game this week. There was cheerleaders there. They're running all over the place. I just think to myself, you know, okay, whatever. Bless your heart. Like, I, I don't know if you affect the game at all, but you give it your everything, right? Like, you're a part of the game, and you do it until the, 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 the train is off the tracks at the end of the game. And I appreciate that. But here's what I think is interesting. I think a lot of us have too many cheerleaders in our lives. We don't have enough godly counselors that come in and say, hey, we're going to talk about it next week, but that train that you're on, on the tracks that you are on, around that turn up there is death and fire. You're going to destroy your life. What do they do? Let's go. Let's see what happens, right? Let's all go down in a ball of flames. We have too many, am I right? Too many cheerleaders in our lives, no offense cheerleaders, right? That's your job, but as a Christian, my main job is not to be a cheerleader for my friends. My main job is to be a voice of reason, a godly counsel, counselor, right? I love what it says in Proverbs 29, and we're going to read, read a whole lot from the book of Proverbs because it's the book of wisdom, and it has so much to say on relationships. Watch what it says. It says, those who flatter their neighbors are actually spreading nets for their feet. You're the cheerleader. I'm going to flatter you. You're actually spreading nets for them to, 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 for them to fall. Watch what this says in Proverbs 19. I love this. Wealth attracts friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. I love this. Many carry favor with the ruler, and everyone is a friend of, of one who gives gifts. What, he, what he's trying to say is these types of friendships, they're, they're kind of a dime a dozen. Everybody's friends with somebody who has money. Everybody's friends with somebody who has a title. Have you ever experienced that before? You're giving out gifts. You're going to have friends. Like so many times we're, our friendships are based on selfish reasons. In fact, some of you will say stuff like, I'll say, hey, man, you should probably challenge your friend on that. No, I just value their friendship so much and I don't want to lose it. And I always tell people, no, you value yourself too much. Because if you valued them, you would care more about their life than you do about your friendship. You would say, I'll lose you as a friend if I can save you from doing something really stupid. That's how much I love you. So let me just give you four things that if you want to have these, you need these. 
You need somebody to be in your business every once in a while. You need somebody to ask you the difficult questions. You need somebody to challenge you. You need somebody that, that, that's, you know, get, getting in your face saying, hey, man, what are you doing, right? But the Bible says you reap what you sow, so you need to create this field before you see the, 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 this harvest. So let me just give you a few things you, could, you should consent to as a friend with your other friends. Number one is this. The first thing I'm going to consent to because I deeply and desperately want these relationships is I'm going to consent to not getting insulted. This one is really important. A few weeks ago, I told you, I said, getting offended or insulted is your fault. It's your problem. It shows your immaturity. It's not the other person's problem. When they offend you, it's your problem. If you have the problem of offense, it's, it's something you need to grow up in your own spiritual walk with Christ. You, you need to do some of the changing. Offense is, is optional. Like, let me give you an example. I went to the Eagles game on Monday night, and uh, it was awesome. I'm just going to preference this story with that. It was awesome. We killed the Vikings. Jalen Rager didn't do anything. Like, it was awesome. Same thing's going to happen today to Carson Wentz, you know, we, we just going to do that. And so like, uh, it was awesome, awesome, awesome experience, right? We got there at, I think 4.30, 5 o'clock, something like that. Game started at 8.30 at night. So we had three and a half hours with people that had been there since 12 o'clock. So let me just, it was awesome. And so uh, we were on the one, down on the very, on the, on, the, on the field. Like we didn't sit there, but we walked down there. We were with Birdman. If you don't know Birdman, you need to remember his face. That's what he kept saying. And so, which he had a mask on, so I don't know why he said remember this face, but he had been there since 12 o'clock. And so, so we had a good time, right? And so uh, uh, after the game, I went, I went home, I got on my phone. And I was reading through different stories of, of the game. And the next morning I woke up and I was getting ready. I Googled the Eagles. And I was reading different articles. And one of the coolest articles was also one of the funniest stories that happened on Monday night. The Eagles have a new player called, and his name is Britton Covey. Brit, Britton Covey. And so Britton Covey is a, is a rookie. And on Monday night, he had just been promoted from the, the practice squad to be on the, the real Eagles. Could you imagine this? Like, I, I, I just think about, like, all my years in sports, and, you know, obviously, I've never made it close to that, but just think about all the work you've done to get to that point where you get the call up tonight, you're going to be on the Eagles, and you're going to be part of the, the active squad for the opening game of the 2022 Super Bowl champion Eagles, right? Like, <laughs> he probably called his mom, his grandmom. He called, I'm on the Eagles tonight. Gets in his car, drives up to the player's parking, shows them, you know, or he doesn't, forgets his past, something like that, tells them, I'm on the Eagles roster. And the people at the front, because they're doing their job, say, we don't know who you are, you can't get, you don't get access. He tried to convince them, no, I'm on the Eagles. They looked at him, right? You're not on the Eagles, bro, right? Like, we know Eagles players, you are not on the Eagles. And they sent him away. True story. He parked with the fans in the regular parking. I think he paid 25 or 30 bucks or whatever it is. <laughs> Walked through the fans. Nobody knows he's on the Eagles. Walks up, tells them, hey, I am on the Eagles, right? I don't know how he gets in. Finally convinces them and gets in. If there was ever a moment to be pissed off, it's now, right? I paid 25 bucks to park at my first Eagles game. I'm on the Eagles, right? And he just laughed it off. He just laughed it off. He was like, dude, I got work to do, I guess, before I earn people's respect in this city. And I'm telling him, you don't even know the half of it, right? Like, 
And it's just, it was just like, you don't have to be offended. You don't have to be insulted. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to be that type of person. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to have the type of friendships that I'm talking about having, where people are building this type of connection in your life, one thing that destroys Christian connection is one person constantly being insulted or offended, right? And it says more about you than it does the other person. Watch what it says in Scripture in Proverbs 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. If you, if you correct somebody that you're friends with and they're a mocker, then they, they respond like that. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Watch what it says though. Rebuke the wise and they'll love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they'll add to the learning. In other words, what they're saying is it's not the person bringing the instruction. It's the response of the person receiving it. If you are getting insulted, offended all the time, it says less about them. What does it call you in Scripture? I don't want to offend you, but it calls you an idiot. It calls you a mocker. It calls you a fool. Somebody comes and brings you good wisdom. What does the Bible say? The wise says, oh, man, do I have to work on that? Is there something going on in my life I should adjust? Is there, you know, what else do you see in, in, in my life? And so I want to encourage you to run away from insult. And you know who you are. Every time somebody challenges you, you cry. You know what I'm talking about? You actually have learned how to manipulate situations through tears. Some of you have kids like this. You're like, you're not crying. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm, my, I have boys. I don't tell them not to cry. I, sometimes I have, but most of the time, I let them shed their tears and be sensitive because Lee has made me. And so, uh, <laughs> sometimes you're like, this is, this is not tears. I'm not trying to judge your tears or not, but like, these are these are. This is kind of made up. Like, uh, maybe I just brought something challenging to you. But as adults, we begin to do that. We, we, start to, we start to cry. You ever meet somebody who you bring something challenging to in a friendship, and they just act shocked that you would even assume that? Like, you're one of those people that you're like, it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But we live in a world that that is not the way that it is. So you're constantly trying to figure it out. The rules keep changing. You don't know where it's going on. And you come to your friend and you see some certain things in their life. And you want to, you know, bring, bring something to their attention. And they act shocked that you would even assume that about their lives. And here's what I want to encourage you with. I want to encourage you. Welcome that into your life from your friends. And be grateful that you have a friend like that. Refuse to be insulted or offended because somebody loves you enough to have a difficult conversation with you. That's a real friend. Num- number two is this. These, these are important. Number two, not, not only are you not going to be insulted, you're going to welcome other people's insight. I, I consent to welcoming your, your, your insight. Here's what that means. Uh, you have blind spots. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that or not. I, I have blind spots. I, I think I'm perfect, but other people have told me I'm not. <laughs> Anybody else tracking with me? Like, I think I, I think I do mostly everything right, but I've been married long enough to my wife to realize that that is far from the truth, right? And so oftentimes in my life, because I have blind spots, because I think higher of myself than I am in relationships, I don't really want to hear other people's insight. I don't want to know what they see. I don't want to know what it feels like when I talk. I don't, I don't want to know what it's like to be my friend. I know what it's like to be my friend. I live with myself, right? Like, I, instead, I'm going to give consent to my friends to, for their insight. I'm going to welcome it in, in my life. And here's the thing. Saying it's welcome and actually making it welcome are two different things, 
right? You ever been in somebody's house and it says welcome on the doorstep and you knock on the door and a massive dog comes to the door? You're not welcome there. That dog's going to eat you, right? But it says welcome on the mat. In fact, I've been to people's houses. They didn't even have dogs. They just, I walked into their house. I was invited over there. But when I got there, even though it said welcome on the mat, it was like I was a nuisance to them. Anybody ever been in that situation? Like they, they it was time for, hey, well, you want to come for dinner? Yeah, I'd love to come for dinner. You come for dinner, but there's not enough food. You're looking around, you're like, where's the food, right? Like, you don't say that because that's rude, but you think, you said I was welcome here, but I'm not really welcome here. Have you ever been to somebody's house? And I, I've been in a couple weird situations. I walked in, they invited me over, we were going to, you know, I don't even know what we were doing there. And I walked in, and they said hi to me, they walked away, and I didn't see him for 25 minutes. <laughs> True story. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm standing in a random person's house, and this kid just peed on my foot, right? <laughs> that part's made up, but it pretty much happened. And it's one thing to say you're welcome. It's another thing to actually be, be welcome. Um, it's one thing to say you welcome people's insight. It's, it's another thing to actually be welcome. You ever, give, you ever be with somebody, you try to give them, give them insight, you see they start tapping their foot real hard, and they cross their arms, and they roll their eyes, and they give you all that body language that says shut up or I'm going to kill you? It's, it's one thing to say, so here's what I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Here, here, I'm going to welcome your insight into my life. I love what it says in Proverbs 27. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from heartfelt advice. And here, here's, the, here's the hard part about this. Um, these words often feel like rubbing alcohol in the beginning. I don't know if they do that anymore. But in my day and age, if you got to cut what they put on you, alcohol, right? And, and I remember you'd be like, is it going to burn? And if they were mean, they'd be like, no, <laughs> only for a second, right? And it hurt so bad, but it was good for you. And this is the problem with, with friends like this is they oftentimes make us feel bad at first. They, they oftentimes call something out on us that initially it offends us or it hurts us. But it's actually like rubbing alcohol. It's good for you. It's just going to hurt in the beginning. You ever meet somebody and actually get offended when they're like, hey, you got something in your teeth? And you're like, you're like, I hate you. But thank you for telling me. And then in my head, I think to myself, I've been around 75 other people. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. <laughs> well, not a good friend, right? It hurts in the beginning, and then it's, it's good for you. And so here's the problem with so many of us. We don't like this because initially it feels like rubbing alcohol in our lives. But I'm going to welcome your insight into my life. In fact, I had a, I had a coach one time uh, for, for, for church planning. I was about to start this church, and I took this assessment test. And uh, I, 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 I finished it, and then I met with him a few weeks later. And he said, I got some, I got some stuff I need to talk to you about. I expected him to say, you killed it. You aced it. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be perfect. He said, hey, we have some stuff we got to work on. And I remember I didn't welcome his insight. I took, took my arms like this, started tapping my foot. And I said, what do you mean? We got, I got some stuff I got to work on. You got some stuff you got to work on, right? And he said, hey, you know, seriously, you got some stuff you got to work on. He said, you scored really high on sarcasm and anger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and? And he was like, those are not good attributes for a future leader of a flock of people, Right? And at first, I remember being like, this is, this is not right. Like, this is hurtful. And then I thought later on, I appreciate him because there were some things in my life that I'm clearly still working out. I haven't fully got over, right? But I'm working through them. That was a real friend in that moment. I'm going to welcome your insight into my life. Let me just give you a few more. Number three, I'm going to give consent to being okay with your interrogation. Here's, here's, here's the breakdown. Insight is 
invited. <laughs> right? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to invite this. We're going to have a conversation, some feedback. Interrogation is forced. Interrogation is forced. Somebody in your life loves you enough to be looking at your decisions, your life, keeping track of what you're doing, your time you're spending away from your family, uh, the way you're handling money. Maybe you were walking with the Lord in a strong way, but you haven't been at church for a few weeks. Uh, m- m- maybe you've been, you, you saw your interaction with your kids at practice and you lost your mind and they, you know, they need to talk to you about that. Maybe they've seen how you've spoken with your spouse and, and, and you're not sitting there saying, hey, tell me how I'm doing. They just show up in your life and they sit you down on a chair and and they begin to ask you the difficult questions. What's your thought like, 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 uh, life like? When's the last time you looked at pornography? Like these type of questions. Well, what, what, why are you so angry right now? How have you been speaking to your wife? What's going on in your heart? Why are you worrying so much? This type of interrogation, which a lot of times when somebody starts to interrogate me like that, I'll shut down. I'll use this word. How are you doing? I'm fine. Fine is not a biblical word. Hey, how's the weather today? What's it look like? It looks fine. No, it's cold, it's hot, it's foggy, it's sunny, it's rainy, it's dry, right? It's not fine. There's no such thing as fine. I never ask somebody, how's the weather looking tomorrow? It's fine. You ask a Christian how they're doing in front, I'm fine. That's not a real friend. That's not a real answer. No, seriously, how you doing? That's how I know I have good friends in this church. I showed up here this morning and uh, I was a little torqued up. And the reason I was torqued up is uh, I had a shirt that was ironed that I wanted to wear, and I put it on, it had a hole in it, so I couldn't wear it, so it's the end of the, it's the end of the, absolutely getting ready, we leave at, at 5.45 in the morning, I don't have time to iron, so I have to go in the back of my closet, and I find this white sweatshirt I've never worn before, this is why, it's like a big marshmallow on the stage right now, right, <laughs> so I've never worn it, you don't wear white, especially when you're not tan. You don't wear white. And I wore this way. I walked in here today. I was all torqued up. I walked to the back. Our sound guy, Ben, who's been back there for the last decade running sound, you probably never noticed him, right? You only notice him if stuff messes up. And if it messes up, he's told me it's my fault, not his fault, right? Which he's true. If my microphone is not on, when I talk, it's not his fault. I haven't unmuted it. He's asked me for years, let me unmute it, and I'll control it back here. But I have control problems. And so I do it myself. So I showed up, and I'm kind of torqued off, and I'm standing back there, and here's what he says. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Nothing. I'm fine. We never had another conversation. My walk by my wife. He went and told my wife. <laughs> walk by my wife. She's like, what's wrong with you? Ben said something's wrong with you. I said, honestly, I have this white sweatshirt on. It's hot. I feel like a marshmallow. I'm mad my shirt was, was wrecked. To which Ben, I think, was trying to tell me, hey, bro, you're going to talk about Jesus here today, and you're going to let your shirt mess up your entire day? If I'm honest, yes, I was going to let it mess up my entire day. (laughs) Get your crap together type of moment. That's the type of interrogation that we need in our lives. I'm going to welcome other people's interrogation into my life. You see, compliments make me feel good, but confrontation is actually good for me. I love what it says in Matthew 18. These are the words of Christ. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. They sin. They're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Get up in their business and point out their fault just between the the, the two of you. Every year I read stories online about people who go to the Grand Canyon and fall in by accident. Anybody read those? Happens every year. You're like, you saved up all this money to go see a hole in the ground. And you got so close you fell in. If it wasn't so serious, 
It'd be crazy, right? Like you, I can't imagine, like if I was going to get to the Grand Canyon, I think I would stay a safe distance away from that. But they get so close and they've fallen. Could you imagine if they would just take an accountability partner with them? Hey, if I get too close to the edge, can you pull me off before I die? Right? And too many of us, we get close to the edge. I just want to see if I can mess my life up. And we need somebody to come behind us and say, hey, bro, that's really stupid. That's a really unwise decision. That's not going to turn out well in your life. That's not going to go the way you think it's going to go in your life. Listen, I give you permission. I'm going to consent to your interrogation. You're allowed to get up in my business, your insight in my life. You can ask me questions. You can point out things in my life. And I promise you, I'm not going to get insulted. Go ahead and do it. But let me just give you one, one more. Number four, I consent not only to listen in to what you have to say, but I'm going to grow from your instruction. Here's the biggest problem in church. Uh, Paul talked about it uh, in, in the Bible. He talked to a church, probably like ours. He said, uh, he said you should be mature eating the meat of Scripture by now. But many of you uh, are still feeding on milk. You're still spiritual babies. He said, you shouldn't be like that. And I, I, honestly, I think that's the number one problem in, church, in the church in America. A bunch of immature babies. Tell people to do things. Give them the, the, the answers to the test. Tell them exactly what Scripture says. And we drag our feet. And then the problem is we're surrounded by so many other people who are also spiritually dragging their feet that we actually think we're all okay. One of the scariest scriptures in, in, in the Bible is uh, where the Bible says that broad is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the road that leads to life. He said many, many will choose the broad way, very few will find the narrow way. There's another part of scripture that says, uh, it's a parable, this guy gets to heaven and he says, uh, I went to church, I prophesied, uh, I did all these things in your name. He said, apart from me, you never knew me. Well, what, 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 do, what, what, what do you mean? Well, you didn't, you didn't care about the least of these. You, you, your faith was really stagnant. It was all about Sunday, never really about the week. You played the church game. Like, you can see it. You, you smile in church. You're fine. Church people say that to each other all the time. You're not fine. You know, I know you're not fine because I'm not fine half the time. I just put my white sweatshirt on and come up here. Act like I'm fine. There's stuff going on all the time. You asked me about this year, how many times I was like, I can't do this no more. I can't hear one more report of somebody in our church having cancer. I can't do it no more. I have nothing left. Like, I can't even do it. I can't, I can't do one more death. I can't do one more funeral this year for somebody who lost a, a, a family member, a parent, a loved one. I can't, I can't even fathom it anymore. I, I don't, don't quit. Somebody asked me, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I got my white sweatshirt on. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I'm tired. You're, you're, you're weary. You, you, sometimes you just want to lay in bed and, and get to the next day. Like, it's, it's not, we're not fine. So instead, I want to I create an environment where I, I, I need that interior. Hey, you don't, you don't seem right, man. What's wrong with you? You're all torqued up. What's wrong? Somebody that can get into my business, ask me the right questions, point things out in, in my life. And then when they, when they love me enough to do that, for me to, for me to actually listen to what they say and grow from their instruction. See, we, we talk often in church about accountability partners. You ever hear that term? Accountability partners. Accountability partner in church is a.k.a. a group of people who get together to whine. That's what most of it is. Very little changing, very little confrontation, a lot of whining most of the time about your, your spouse or something else like that. Like, I just am going to whine about how, how hard life is. That's not accountability. Here's what accountability looks like, and this is what's so important. Accountability is I have a friend who's willing to ask me difficult questions. 
My part is I'm willing to answer them. When's the last time you willingly answered them? Man, I'm struggling. And the third part is I make a decision to adjust where I need to be. I'm going to adjust it. Wherever it need be in my life, I'm going to make the changes in my life. You're going to ask me the hard questions. I'm going to answer them. I'm going to make adjustments. That's accountability. I'm going to welcome that in my life. I'm going to adjust my life. I'm going to grow from your instruction. In fact, uh, I read read a a word to define what most of us act like. And I I like you should take notes, write this down, uh, because I don't want to be like this. But it said, the, the phenomenon in society of constantly listening, never doing, always, you know, sitting with somebody and knowing what and knowing what to do and not changing. The phenomenon is called being an ask hole. Some of you just woke up, you're like, he just cursed. I said ask. <laughs> hole. A-S-K-H-O-L-E. There's nothing worse than being like that. Know what I'm supposed to do. Know how I'm supposed to adjust. Know the changes I should make. Let's talk about it and walk away. You ever been with somebody like that? I will literally stop meeting with that person. I'll be like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Why? Not because I don't love you, because I can't stand you, right? Like, I can't stand that we sit here and we know what we're supposed to do and we walk away and both of us just come back together and we talk about it again. Hey, what'd you do? Did you change? Did you move out with that person? Did you stop having sex? Did you start tithing? Did you start serving? Did you call me? People, oh, man, I should, I should go to church. Yeah, let's go to church on Sunday. Did you go? Oh, man, I missed it. That's, that's not accountability. Here's what you should do. I listen, I, I respond. And here's the cool thing about these relationships. They're game-changing. They're game-changing because some of you are not fine right now. Some of your marriages are falling apart. Some of, your, 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 some of you have teenagers. You're not fine right now. This, let me just, I'm just with you. It's crazy. Some of you in a job situation, you're not fine right now. You don't even know what to do. You don't have answers. Some of you on the, on the, on the edge of the, the canyon of life, and you're about to, you just keep getting clear, you're about to fall in. And there's nobody there to pull you back and say, we're going to be okay. We're going to walk through this. Some of you, you've been told before, and, and it's actually created a distance in your relationship because you're like that. You're, you, you, you've sat, you've listened, you continue to drag your feet. And you're like, nobody wants to hang out with me. And you're, you're like, well, everybody loves you, but they're tired of you. They're not giving up on you, but, but you've got to do some work. You've got to kind of turn your, 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 yourself in a different direction. You've you got to make that choice for yourself. And when you do this, Everything about your life changes. Your relationships make or break you. So here's the thing. We're going to stand. We're going to pray. And I've told you for, for the last four weeks, my only goal for those of you who know Christ already is I want you to join a home group. No strings attached. We don't, we don't get more money if you're in a home group. Uh, it's not going to make our church numerically better if you go into a home group. Um, the only thing it's going to do is spiritually make us stronger, which is that matters. Some of you, you, you need friends. You, you, you need to step outside of yourself. Some of you have been waiting. I've been, I've been sitting on that principle, uh, you reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. And that's not just a money thing. Some of you, you want friends. You want to reap friends, but you got you to sow discomfort. You got to get outside of your comfort zone. You got to sign up for a group. You got to 
set yourself up. Some of you are like, I need my teenagers and my students to have better friends. They don't have any friends. We're going to have student groups coming up. And man, it, just be honest, man, teenagers are busy. Sometimes I feel like I don't even see my teenagers, but just a couple minutes a day. But we're going to make time in the week, in the busy week. We're going to get them to, to, to student group. And man, we want them to make relationships with people that are going in the same direction that, 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 that they're going because friendships are everything. They're everything. So we're going to put those tables out next week. I wish I could preach one more week, but I felt the Spirit of the Lord say it's over. It's done. We're moving on to the next thing. So next week, you're going to see the tables. Both of our campuses are going to be sitting out. You're going to step outside all week. I'm going to be looking. We're going to start putting them up online, the groups. I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone, and I'm going to become part of a group. I'm going to invest in that area. I believe in the power of relationships and friendships. Maybe you invite somebody along with you, and as you begin to do it, you're going to remember what I said. Hey, somebody's going to ask you a question at some point in church. They should if we're healthy, and it's going to tick you off. They're getting in your business, and you're going to remember what I said. Don't be insulted. Don't be offended. Give them consent to interrogate you. Give them consent to bring insight into your life. Uh, make, make a promise that you'll grow when somebody brings something good from the Bible. You, I, I, you understand the Bible is 100% right all the time? You, do you understand? Everybody, you should, if you're a Christian, you should understand that it's important. The Bible's unchanging. If it says it, God will do it. Amen? That, that, is, that is something that is so important to your faith. If God says it, he'll, he'll, he'll do it. Some of you, God said it, you know he'll do it, and you're dragging your feet. And somebody's going to come along and say, come on, man. Just do it. Take the step of faith. Let the Lord bless you and move you in that area. And so would you stand to your feet all over this house, and would you uh, bow your heads, and would you close your eyes? If you're in Limer or Montgomeryville, would you do the same thing? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And maybe you're online, you would just right there in that in your room or in your living room, wherever you're at, you would just close your eyes and uh, just give the Lord this time. If you physically come to our church, what's going to happen next week, the week after, and then for the uh, the next six, seven weeks in our church is game changing. It's game changing. I don't know that I've ever spent. A month talking about this with one goal, which was to get you into a community group or a home group. But that's my goal. And I think you, you preach through, through seasons and through sermons uh, based on uh, your own struggles and the work that God is doing in your own heart. And I know the older I get, that's, that's, what's, that's what's missing most of the time in my own life. And so I can imagine that's what's missing in some of yours. Real relationships, being known, knowing other people, walking through struggle, feeling supported, having somebody get in my business, loving somebody and knowing somebody enough and trusting somebody enough to actually share what's going on in my life. I need that. Getting beyond just the, the jokiness and the lightheartedness. I need that. There's too much on the line to not have that. Your marriage, your kids, your career, your relationships, your future, they're all on the line. The devil does his best work in isolation, friend. That's what he does. He loves to isolate you. He loves to hunt. He loves to find when you're weak. He loves to bring confusion. He loves to yell at you when you fail. He loves that. And it's really hard to get to you when you're surrounded by people that know Jesus, that are with you when you're, you're in a desperate state, that are with you when you go through trials and struggles. So that's the point of groups.
That's it. Support, strength, love, friendships. As we uh, get ready to close, I guess that interrogation point is, is a good ending. Because that's kind of what we do at church every week. I ask you some interrogating questions. And then I give you the way out. So let me just ask you this. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You're in a bad spot today? You hiding something? Do you feel like you're looking, never finding, never having rest? Is your life, uh, is it built upon some really bad moments that have happened in your past? Are you angry, bitter, resentful? Do you live your life under the burden of having to try to disprove something that was done to you in years past to show them they were wrong? Relationally, is it crazy? Do you constantly look for the wrong things and accept behavior that you shouldn't accept and it's led to a lot of baggage? The Bible says it's simple. Jesus said, he said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's two things that I've realized about people on this side of eternity. There's a lot of burdens. And when I look in people's eyes, I see a lot of heaviness. So I'm so honored when I tell you about the, the year and about the struggles of my, of my life. And sometimes I jokingly say, oh, man, I want to quit. And even in the moments when it's real and you just don't want to do what you do anymore, I just keep coming back to the amazing honor that I have to talk to people like you about my friend Jesus Christ. The one who heals me, the one who strengthens me, the one who meets me on my worst days, the one who never gives up on me, the one who uses my life the one who brings purpose from the pain that I faced, the one that fully satisfies me. And it's an honor to talk to you about Jesus today. We believe he's the son of God, that he stepped out of eternity into the temporary. And the Bible says that he came for you and me, sinners that were separated from our creator. He died on a cross for our sins. He paid the price. He atoned, the Bible says, for the debt of our sin through his cross, through the shedding of his blood. The Bible says he was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose in power. And in that moment, he defeated death and hell. And it's through him that I become a complete person, a transformed person, a fulfilled person, a hope-filled person, a joy filled person a person that has peace in my life it's through Jesus Christ and I'll tell you what I did years ago when I was ready to accept him the Bible says that if you just call on him it wasn't anything pretty it was simple Jesus I need you to come into my life right now I can't live one more day without you I know that and I called on his name 
I was 18 years old, a lifetime ago. And for the very first time in my life, I could feel him in a real way. He was doing something in and through my life. And that's that moment. It's here right now. I don't know Christ, but I need to. I want a relationship with him. The Bible says call on him. So I want to do something as we close. He's a pursuing God. He knocks at the door of your heart. He's here. But you need to say yes. Jesus, I need you. Heal me, make me whole, forgive me, and set me free. Both here in Montgomeryville, if I'm speaking to you right now, you can hear my voice. You need to repent of your life, your sin, and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Right now, in this moment, if that's you all over this place, front to back, side to side, young or old, churched or unchurched, because there are people that come to church for years. I did, but I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And you say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. If you're in Montgomeryville or here physically, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven all over this place and just keep it high? I see a few hands over here. I see another hand right here. Is there anybody else that will say, hey, pastor, that's me. I'm going to keep my hand held high right now. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. If you're in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand up right now? And we're going to begin to pray together. Uh, the church has often called this the sinner's prayer, the sinner's prayer. And uh, it's not in the Bible anywhere. There's no structured prayer. But this is just a moment where somebody who's without Christ, the Bible says, is calling on the name of Jesus. And we're a family. So we're going to do that together all over this house. Whether you've known Jesus for years, or maybe you raised your hand right now, or maybe you didn't raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you repeat this after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that on the third day, you rose again. And it's through you that I become a brand new person. The old me is dead and gone. Today's a brand new day. Jesus, I love you. And I commit the rest of my life to following you. Now, all over this place, as we begin to just get a chance to rejoice, we're going to pray uh, just one more time over our church, Lord, that you would just do something incredible in the area of friendships and relationships. That it would almost be otherworldly what happens here, Lord. That there will be so much realness in our groups, Lord. That there will be so much breakthrough. That there will be so much healing. That there will be so much accountability. That it is almost unexplainable. This stuff doesn't happen on this side of eternity, Lord. But Lord, because of that, Lord, there's going to be much fruit. Uh, there, there, there's going to be much growth in our church, Lord. Uh, there's going to be new friendships that are birthed. And I pray right now that you would just fill this church with the spirit of boldness, Lord. The most of what we do for you happens on the other side of courage and boldness. Although sometimes that looks like joining a group, signing up to serve, beginning to put you first in our finances, moving out of a house with somebody we're not married to, getting out of that affair and confessing to somebody and staying faithful to that person that we said we would stay married to. Lord, that's what boldness looks like, Lord. And so for next week, when we walk by those tables, or what boldness is going to look like for some of us is stepping outside of our comfort zone and saying, Lord, lead me to the right group for this time in my life. Lord, connect me with the right people. Lord, I believe you have a work to do in and through my life. And I thank you, Lord, for how amazing, how life-changing these next few months of our church is going to be. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your word. 
We thank you that you've given it to us. It's 100% accurate. And that we can trust you in everything that you say. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. All over this house, would you shout amen? Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.